All right. I'm Jeremy, one of the pastors here at the Axis Church. Today is going to be a little bit different. Um, this is week two of the State of the Church Address. Last week, Jacob faithfully presented our mission, uh, our, our heart and ideas behind community and what the community looks like within our Axis family as, as being missionaries sent on purpose, working together, making much of him. Um, so we unpacked that last week while I was in Alabama. Uh, thank you for, for doing that, Pastor Jacob. Um, and today it's kind of like part two to the State of the Church Address where I want to speak more to vision, particularly to what it looks like as us being a church-planting church. Okay, I want to start out with reading a, a passage of Scripture from Luke 5. So if you have a Bible, go to Luke chapter 5. We're going to be looking at the first several verses there. And then we're going to be springboarding from that um, into some history of the axis. And I'm going to pick up some of those verses later on um, as we work through our time together this morning. Thank you for being here. I'm really excited about what Jesus Christ is doing here in Nashville with you guys, in spite of us, with us. It's incredible. It's such grace. Um, so let's look at uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. This is when Jesus calls his first disciples, okay? That's, that's the idea here. This is early in the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. Luke 5, 1 through 11, be blessed by the reading of God's word. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. They were finished, right? That's what you did when you were finished with your fishing. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, this is later Peter, right? Peter's boat here. Um, he asked Peter to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. The crowd was pressing in on him, right? So he gets in a boat, moves around into the waters, of this lake, and begins to teach the word from, from the boat. Makes sense. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, who's later Peter, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master. He was a rabbi. This was a typical like teacher. Rabbi, Master, we toiled all night. Right? That's not just, man, we worked really hard. Man, this is like a frustrating time. Like this is, I've worked all day long. Not, I did some chores. Like we have toiled all night and took nothing. That, it's emphasis there. But, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon, when Simon Peter, there you see it come back around to see who he is even in the future. But, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. That's weird, isn't it? Basically, what he's saying is, you're something other than me. Something has to change. So you have to leave, or I have to leave. He didn't understand that this whole concept was to show Peter 
that he is to change and that Jesus is going to be the one to change him. It's beautiful, right? This is fantastic here, seeing this take place. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Love that. They followed Jesus, right? Let's pray. Jesus, um, thank you for being who you are and helping us, changing us, allowing us to participate in what you are doing in this city, in this community, with this church family. Lord, I ask that you just continue this and you be made much of Sunday through Sunday by the people that make up this church family. Lord, would you be with us as we open up some history of what you've been doing here and your faithfulness, as well as more dreams and plans for the future as we look at the state of this baby church, Lord, that you, I believe, are honored with and that you are, are pleased with and that you want to see continue down a road of making more and more and more of who you are. Lord, uh, give us discernment and wisdom and encourage us through the celebration of your faithfulness and what you've done. In Christ's name, amen. 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 All right, so I'm going to give a brief kind of backstory to the Axis Church. Um, we were three and a half years old. Um, God placed the vision of, of planning a church back in 2007 when my wife and I, and at the time our three children, were living in Charlotte, near Charlotte, North Carolina, in Concord, North Carolina. Um, that was 2007. I began to read, study, work, prepare for this church plant that I was going to be a part of. Um, I had been a youth pastor for 12 to 13 years, and um, I was really excited to think about what God wanted to do through another church plant. And so we landed on Nashville because it's such a culture producer, and, and it shapes a lot, of, uh, a lot of American culture through all that happens here. And music is just a very small portion of that, though significant, the, the health care, the publishing, the, the, the film, the art. I mean, there's so much that happens here in, in this city. And so when we came here, we knew that if Jesus could do something special in this city, it could affect other cities, you know? And uh, so this is kind of like getting upstream with the gospel and seeing it change the water for what trickles down from it as it's spreads its influence. And so we left uh, Concord, North Carolina, April 1st of 2009. I left a consistent paycheck of being a youth pastor and what they call parachuting, where you kind of jump in as a church planner, not having much at all under you. You're kind of dropping in alone. Um, I had seven jobs. I picked up seven different jobs along the way. I know a lot of you all know what that feels like. Um, I had seven jobs. I was working in Charlotte, doing electrician things and other things, and then I was doing a whole lot of things here in Nashville, traveling back and forth. Uh, it's a six and a half hour drive nonstop. 
Um, I would do that back and forth, sometimes two complete trips each week, um, trying to still love my family, pastor my family, provide for my family, uh, come to Nashville to prepare a vision and meet people. And I met people on Facebook, y'all, and it was really creepy because I'm meeting people on Facebook and saying, hey, can I stay with you tonight? I see that you like Jesus on your Facebook page. I do. And I see that you live in Nashville, and I don't. And uh, I, I could sleep in my car. I think I only had to do that one time. Um, <laughs> there's a, a vulnerability that you just become normal with whenever you're so needy, right? Um, I just saw that money. I'm not going to spend 50 bucks for a hotel room when a stranger will let me sleep on a couch. It's a whole lot easier to go get a hotel room. <laughs> A whole lot less awkward. Um, so anyway, uh, that was an interesting portion of the chapter one of the Axis. Um, lots of fundraising, lots of meeting of new people. Uh, we moved here, we began in October, I believe it was the second Sunday in October. We met at 5.05. We meet at 10.10 a.m., by the way, because we used to meet at 5.05, and I'm not ever really sure. Do you remember why we landed on 5.05, Jacob? Remember? Cool number? Yeah, it wasn't five. Um, and so 505, um, we met, and uh, the second, second Sunday night of 2009, up here at the Morgan Park Community Center in their banquet room. It's the red brick portion of their structure there. It's an old home. We met there. First Sunday, we had 23 people. The second Sunday, we had seven with six children. And um, it was a little... Exciting, you know, that there was still that many people there, really, to be honest with you. Um, incredible momentum going from 23 to 13. Um, from that first gathering, we knew that God was calling us to be a part of something special. And we knew that he was preparing us to be missionaries and lead others in what it looks like to be missionaries for the good of the city and for the fame of his name and we had lots of plans that, man, we had first talked through about, man, what God wants to do. And, man, it's amazing how kind and gentle God has been to say, no, Jeremy, that's cute, but we're not going to do it that way. We're not going to do that. Instead, I want this church to be less about you and, and your plan and more about me. And he's been kindly and gently moving us to where we focus as much of our attention. And I pray that we continue to make more of him every Sunday that we gather, every Monday that we scatter, every Tuesday where we scatter, every Wednesday where we scatter, as missionaries making much of him for the joy of the city and the fame of his name. He's been so gracious and kind. So then chapter 2, there's a page turner, chapter 2 Fundraising, right? Still fundraising. Our communities on mission begin. We lease and flip and begin to gather in this room. And for those who are newer to the Axis family, there was a wall that ran uh, in between these two pillars here in the middle of the room. And it went all the way to that. You can see the drywall, how it, how it kind of transitions there to the left of the Jesus Epic. And then it goes over here basically to the conduit going in the wall. And the stage was where the torch was hung. And the sound booth was behind where the doors would open in that little corner where there's some seating. And the, the, the pews would just line up deep. It was like a long, narrow, dark dungeon chapel. Like, <laughs> right? It's like, let's pretend we're in the book of Revelation and go to church in this dungeon, you know? And uh, at least that's what the movies made you think growing up anyway. Um, 
And so phase two, man, we come in here and we, we're there for a year and then we tear down this wall and we're here now in the present and God has continued to be very faithful in how he has provided for us financially, um, with, with partners, with people, with strong backs, willing hearts, tender hearts for the mission of Jesus Christ, open minds, creative minds, busy hands that, that, that want to work and help and serve. It's been beautiful. It's been amazing how he has provided miraculously through so many different means, whether it's getting a $2,000 check out of nowhere in Australia or getting a $7,000 check from, from this guy I met one time. It's just uh, one, one uh, NFL guy for the Titans shows up, never see him. He came here one time, and he gives $5,000 for the church so that we can actually close the month out in the green, which it was the next day. So that deposit goes in, and we were able to close out, pay all our bills. It's just miraculously how this happens and happens and happens. And one other story that, I mean, I could tell stories and stories and stories of how Jesus has provided, but this one just kind of popped in here. We were going to close on our house in Concord, North Carolina. That's a big deal. Right? You have to have a lot of things in order to be able to close right, without looking really awkward. We show up to closing, and we're supposed to have, I think it was $15,000, and I had worked and worked and saved and saved and, man, raised money, and we're trying to close and close and close so we can be finished with North Carolina and only focus here and dig roots here, and, man, it was just like, can we, can we just do this, do this, do this? Well, Sunday comes around, we close on Tuesday, and we needed $7,200. I promise you there's a man who found me on that Sunday and writes me a check for $7,200. Tears come down his eyes, and he says, you do what God's called you to do. I want to make this possible. He already had the check written out, just not the amount. And he says, how much do you need? I said, $7,200. I said, $7,000. He's like, you sure? I'm like, I think it might be $7,200, something like that. And he was like, okay, well, here you go. He writes it and gives it to me. And I say, I don't know what to say. He was like, don't say anything. There's nothing for you to say. You just keep doing what you're doing, and you, you obey where the Lord's leading you. So then Tuesday, we show up, and we're able to close. What was my plan if that hadn't happened? It was going to be a very awkward closing, right? We sign, and it's like an IOU, right? Like, how do we do this if we don't have this money? But God was faithful to provide where we trusted him enough to drop our nets when it didn't make sense, Amen. right? There's been such radical favor over the life and the history of this young church that it is astonishing. And a lot of times I forget just how special and unique this is. I heard the podcast, Pastor Jacob, talking about this last week, how when we talk to other pastors that we love and we follow and they're in Acts 29, that are out of Acts 29, and we share what Jesus is doing here, they, they tell us over and over, man, don't take this for granted. This is special. Don't take what Jesus Christ is doing for granted. This is unique. And we, we still take it for granted because he, we see him flex so much that we try not to. We try to, to, to be refreshed by how wonderful he is, but he is faithful. That is, he who has called you is faithful. That's who he is. It's part of his nature. He doesn't understand how not to be faithful. It's just wonderful when he's faithful in our favor and when we get to see it. That's what's so remarkable and beautiful. I'm very excited about what I believe the Lord wants to do with the Axis Church in the coming days, months, years. It's blowing my mind and how he's changed us and changed me. I was talking with some of the men earlier this morning about how much that I personally have been changed through you all and through the Word of God that's preached on Sundays and studied throughout the week. It's remarkable. I told him, I said, I don't want to live the last four years over again. 
I mean, it's been awesome, but man, it's been, it's been tough growing. It's been hard changing. It's been like sanctification isn't easy. It's hard. And, uh, and I pray that continues, but man, it's been, it's been a joy. It's been bittersweet working through so much of killing of who I am and my agenda and then just keeping Jesus just simple and celebrated, you know, at the forefront. Um, chapter 3. As we look at chapter 3, this is today forward, okay? Um, I want to set some things before you guys that I feel like the Lord has called us to do and has put on us to be faithful with. By doing this, before I go into detail, I want to first celebrate how I feel like he has prepared us for this. I want to first be able to recognize um, so many of our faithful leaders. Chapter 3 starts with fundraising, right? We still fundraise. So I don't know if we're ever going to get beyond that, okay? It's part of our DNA. Um, it'll be awesome if we don't have to, but, uh, but God has provided through miraculous ways, and so we'll continue to let the need be known. Jesus has raised up men and women to help the Axis Church function both on Sundays as we gather and then throughout the week as we scatter. We have administrative help. We have uh, women who help us with our Axis Ladies events. We have individuals who help us with our children's ministry. We have people who help us with our building. We have dozens and dozens of teams and people that clean the building throughout the week and prepare our space for our gatherings. We have a stewardship team. We have uh, ridiculously talented musicians that give of their time freely to, to lead us in song and making much of Jesus through song worship. We have uh, people who give of their time through audio and video teams. We have people who prepare meals, set up coffee, work tirelessly behind the scenes. And there's leadership to this stuff. For instance, the Axis Kids leadership is led by uh, Tracy Cornett. Can you raise your hand right here? There's Miss Tracy, the second row. It's also led by Dave Swanson, who I don't believe is here. And then also with Will Anderson, which is right there on the second row. We have Pastor Jacob, raise your hand, bro, who oversees, among a lot of other things, our communities on mission and training and raising up these leaders to lead in these ways of our communities on mission. We have Lee Seal on the second row. This is getting creepy, second row, guys. Um, Lee Seal right there, um, who has stepped forward and is leading and directing our staff here at the Axis. It's very important because I'm a coach. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm so much of like a, a halftime coach. Man, this needs to change. We need to do this. Let's, let's keep our eyes on this. All right, let's go. Done. No discussion. Just kind of like, all right, that was tough. But Lee is more careful to, to actually manage and help and, and push and, and, and ask and, 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 and feel in those moments. And so I appreciate his leadership and his gifts that he's bringing to the table, specifically with overseeing the staff um, and then graciously helping us form our, our deacon team. I know that's in the green still. We're, we're just getting started on that with you and, uh, and with Nate. I'm coming back to you, Nate, in a minute. Miss Lauren Wizard, raise your hand right here. And Miss Emily Seal. Raise your hand right there. They help us oversee uh, our ladies' events and our ladies' gatherings, and they help uh, lead the, the, the leadership team of our women. Um, thank you for that. Also, Miss Lauren, again, uh, graciously oversees our hospitality and organizing so much of the meals for special events, uh, for making sure the rotation's good and set and people are ready to serve coffee. It's a big deal 
to manage these types of things that we enjoy and take for granted. Nate Wood, raise your hand, bro, over there next to the Jesus Epic sign. He's uh, working uh, with the deacon process and getting that up and rolling with Lee's help. Um, he oversees our partnership process. He oversees our 714 prayer gatherings. Um, thank you for that. Jordan Anderson, where's Jordan? Back here, he was uh, right here leading and singing. Uh, he oversees our music here at the Axis Church. Thank you for that. Doug Heron, who isn't here this morning, graciously oversees our building and uh, gets projects done and, and different things created that Jacob and others dream up. Um, Rebecca Ratliff, where's Rebecca? Over here. She graciously helps get things ready uh, for the Sunday morning gatherings. She's the coordinator, the order of service, and making sure people know what to do, what, and when. Uh, ben Williams, where's Ben? Right here, raise your hand, bro. Um, I had to tell him, so I'm not going to raise my hand. Um, ben oversees our stewardship team. Thank you for that, bro. Will Anderson, again, oversees our, our Salem Town, Germantown presence um, and our influence here in this community. And I intentionally left Jess Miller till last. Where's Jess? I totally did this in my notes. Oh, there's Jess. She does everything else. And she, she, manages, <laughs> she manages everything that it is said, okay? So she's like uh, what she puts up with and how she manages and how she creates things and assesses things and, and sends emails and phone calls and all. It's, it's remarkable. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> Big time. So I said all that to let you know who does what, all right? And, uh, and this is gonna, we're going we're gonna to produce this so you'll see it. But then also uh, to let you know that God has prepared us and has us poised for what's next. We have capable, faithful, selfless people who are ready. Who are ready to jump in and roll. Let's do this, okay? God in his grace has brought access into a, a brand new phase of gospel ministry, unlike what we've seen in the last four years. We believe God is calling us to plant gospel-centered churches in every one of the 134 communities that make up the Nashville metro area. Before now, it's been a compelling dream, but it's been really hard to see how it's going to happen because of all the needs within a young baby church trying to get momentum and growth, as well as the needs that are in this community where our campus is located. It's been overwhelming up until this, this point. But you see, God is awakening us to trust him and to put out into the deep and let our nets down for a catch. In many ways, it's exciting. In other ways, it's frightening to do this. We need to respond as the skeptical, soon-to-be disciples responded when they said, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. hope we don't stop there. I hope that we continue through and say, but at your word, I will let down the nets. This doesn't make sense, but let's do this. God is calling us to let down our nets, even though we're not a mega church, with mega bucks, with mega staff, and the mega burbs, okay? We are the Axis family. We are who you see. Though some aren't here this morning, this is our family. The disciples could not see the logic behind the request of Jesus to go out into the deep and drop their nets, but they obeyed and did it anyway. 
And the result, the result was a boat rocking, net ripping, number of fish caught in but a very brief amount of time. And it caused many to believe. May we not... May we not be worried about trying to find the logic behind why we do certain things as a church or individually. When we feel God say, do this, my prayer is that we'll do it. We may not even have a, a big enough boat to, or even strong enough nets to hold what it is that we're called to catch. But we know that we are to put our nets out deep and we're to see men and women, boys and girls from every tongue, tribe, people and nation influenced for the fame of Jesus and their joy and the joy of the coming generations because of what Jesus Christ is calling us to do and accomplish here. The initial way we're letting down our nets is planting another Axis Church in West Nashville. Location exactly is not determined. It's in the West Nashville area. This isn't an extension campus, per se. This isn't an isolated church that's just going to be sent out with some people and money. This is, this is different. Um, this is so a part of the normal process of planting another church that we, we struggled with coming up with a name and a term for what this is. Because when you say campus... And if, you're, if you're familiar with church planning, you have an idea what that means. When you hear multi-site, you have an idea what that means. And so what we're calling this first plant of hopefully 132 other church plants. Amen? Amen. Let's pray that way. Is we are forming a family of interdependent churches. Interdependency is another way of saying Community. Axis is a community on mission. We are children of God and a family of missionaries to express this biblical community of missionaries committed to each other and the mission of God. We seek to plant many, 134 exactly, interdependent churches in greater Nashville. Here's how this plays out. Each church will express its mission uniquely in their community, being contextual to the needs of that community with, this, with what's being preached and the shepherding pastor and its own set of elders, deacons, and members. However, the text for each sermon is going to be the same. Um, the, the essence of the sermons are going to be the same. We're going to share staff. We're going to share musicians. We're going to share resources. We're going to share website. We're going to share volunteers and collaborate on what is that sermon that we're going to be preaching each week at these different churches. We're all going to be united around the same unified mission of celebrating Jesus and making much of him. And uh, this is a joy and a privilege, and I'm shocked that I'm really saying this <laughs> because I respect this man so much. Um, but Scott Thomas and I have been led by the Lord to, to see this vision uh, come to fruition. And so, Scott, would you come up um, and share your heart? There's the microphone here. Uh, Scott's been a pastor for 31 years and is recently the president of Acts 29 Network when it grew from 50 to 450 churches. He's been a part of something like this worldwide, but nothing particularly to a, a specific city, a collection of zip codes. And so I want him to, to share this uh, and even what he feels what the next decades look like for him. Um, but first off, and I'm going to do my best without crying here, um, Scott and Jacob are my two pastors, right? Um, they shepherd me, and they have shepherded me, though Scott more from a distance, but still not 
in any way less than impact. Scott, um, as a part and president of Acts 29 Church Playing Network that we're a part of, was there the day I was saved, as I was saved during my assessment to be a church planner. Um, having that time and that memory there was so influential and so unique, and it's been precious. It's a precious connection that the Lord has placed in my heart for Scott and his family. Um, and so it's beautiful to see, see him here. Um, he he is, the, is the one who paid for me to be able to serve the first six months with the Axis Church by, by letting go of three other jobs. He helped cut three out and just let me serve here and in partnership with Emmanuel Church. Um, he helped whenever we lost our home and our car uh, in the flood. Uh, a lot of you all were here for that in Nashville. Some of you weren't. And, uh, and he helped raise over $13,000 to give to my family um, and made way for me to get a car in addition to that. And uh, so it's the van that we drive, the Chrysler. Um, and so this man is, is before you, and I want him to share his heart, but I want to let you know I, I love this man, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing life with this guy and serving with him. But if you'll go, I love you, man. <laughs> Thankful for you, bro. Yeah. So what an exciting time that we have uh, ahead of it for, for us. Our family, my wife and I, are now newly uh, empty nesters, not by choice, but because, you know, our 40-year-old our children want to leave, <laughs> and they found the key to the door from the basement to get out. So um, we love our boys. I got two boys, 24 and 20, and uh, they've been with us and have uh, served with us all along since a little, and, and it's our whole life. But we're empty nesters now at this time. And so come about that time that we're going like, let's get second wind. Let's see what God is doing in our heart. And when I was serving as president of Acts 29, the thing that frustrated me the most was not being a part of a local body. I was a part of a lot of my, really my church was my parishioners, my congregation, if you will, were the pastors of Acts 29, including your pastor, Jeremy. And uh, those were, that was my congregants, but it really wasn't the same. It wasn't like, uh, as he said, though from afar. Hmm. There was that separation. Um, I, I'm a shepherd. I am a shepherd who wants to shepherd and see and lead uh, sheep, a congregation, and see them lead, led into mission. And as a shepherd, you want to smell like sheep. Yeah. You want to smell like sheep. If you find a shepherd and walk up to him, and I like a real shepherd, and what's he smell like? Boy, that's fresh cologne. He's not a shepherd. <laughs> He's a poser. <laughs> a real shepherd smells like sheep, which means living in, working in, struggling with, crying, laughing, rejoicing, helping to lead people to, to Jesus Christ, the great shepherd. And that's my heart. And that was the frustration that I felt as I was leading Acts 29. And I wanted to be back in the local church. And here was my frustration. I said, I, I want to lead because I, I was a lead pastor, preaching pastor for 16 years. And I said, I can go back to the pulpit, I called it. I can go back to the pulpit, but I'm not done with church planting. That was my frustration. Like, what do I do with this? And then God put in my heart three things. 
Lead a church plant by, by shepherding it. Lead, train, train men. Train men to be leaders, to be pastors, and plant churches. And so God put that in my heart, and I called it hashtag, because you, you, if you don't hashtag it, it's not cool, right? So I said, <laughs> hashtag LTP20, leading, training, planning for the next 20 years. And it was just kind of my thing that I was thinking, this is what God has called us to do. Say, 20, how old are you? How old do you plan to do this? Uh, shut up. Um, <laughs> but I want to give the next 20 years of my life to leading Training, planting. What else? Then I'm going to lead, train, plant. Then what? Lead, train, plant. For 20 years, that's what I want to give my life to, to be a part of this. And so I had a place, and I had an idea, and I had a plan. In the middle of this guy's fast, I don't know what day it was, but the middle of your 40-day fast, while I was fasting at the same time, he calls me out of the blue. And said, hey, man, God put, put your name on my heart. And here's what I think God is calling you to do. And he basically described leading, leading training, planting. And there was silence. And because he had AT&T, he said, are you still there? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you not believe what I have on my heart right now? Because he had no idea. No idea. My wife and I were the only ones who were talking about this. No idea. And I said, bro, I am, I am, feel called to the local church to plant multiple churches and to train men and to lead as a pastor. And you'll never guess, but I'm not going to Nashville. <laughs> and God flipped that. He flipped that. He helped me to see. And reading the things that my wife wrote to her friends, telling about what's going on and what's happening, was really exciting to be a part of. So, man, we're going to start in West Nashville, and we're going to lead, and we're going to train, and we're going to plant. And I hope that you're ready for that. I know that you are. It doesn't come with any surprise. God has called us to go and to launch into the deep. He's called us. And he didn't just say, now you will be, notice what it said in verse 11 of Luke 5. It said, now you will be catching men. It didn't say you're going to be fishing men. You're going to be catching them. There's going to be fruit that's going to abound. And it does that because it brings glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he called us to be a part of this gathering together of many tribe, nations, and tongues. And that's where we're going to start, right where we are here, West Nashville, and further around, and see not independent, isolated churches, but interdependent. And again, as you said, yeah. there's nothing like this taking place. And I've been around church planting for years. There's nothing like this taking place. No one does it like this. And what it takes is extreme humility on mm. everybody's part. Mm extreme courage and extreme obedience all three of those are mm. necessary for to pull this off I hope you're ready mm. God's got something great and he's called us to do what is illogical 
so that he gets the glory and nobody else. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty crazy how the Lord's worked this out. Um, I'm going to wake up and it's going to be a dream. You're like, oh, Scott, you'll never believe what needs to happen. You know, I promise. Um, thank you, Scott, for uh, being crazy enough to, to drop some nets. And uh, especially with a wife and uh, family, it's a big deal. Thank you for being obedient. Not a lot of guys would do that. Um, also, to give you some uh, a framework here is, is Scott and I are dreaming of what it would look like to start a church planting school as part of this training. And uh, this church planting school will be radical. Um, again, I don't see anything like it uh, that we know about right now. Uh, and within that will be our, our elder training. It'll be our, our church planter. Uh, it'll be the means by which we have. It won't just be a residency for church planters. It'll be the way that we train and send out uh, church planners. And um, so be praying for this and, and, and through this. We've got some cool plans drawn up and decided to fine-tune those. So this is very exciting, right? Um, I'm very excited about this. Um, we, as we seek to plant 133, 132 churches in this city that are gospel-centered, Jesus-celebrating, church-planting, church plants, I hope that we never lose these things that I'm about to say, and I hope that we continue to grow in being faithful in these things that I'm about to say. One is I love the way that you all sing. I love how you sing with everything that's in you. I love that you live life on life, life in community, as the children of God being sent out as a family of missionaries. I love how you're so hospitable and gracious in giving of your time and monies to pursue friendship, food, coffee with others. It's huge and it's special and these things you can't find just anywhere. I love how you take Jesus seriously and not yourself, giving him the freedom to flex and be famous and not you. I love that within that and be, that being true and us seeing that pursued out more, I love how easy and liberating it is for you to show others honor and to outdo one another in showing honor. When Jesus is the big deal and you're not, you can honor others a whole lot easier. And it's beautiful to see how you all do this. And I love how that, that you speak the truth in love with each other. And also lovingly listening to those who share things with you without trying to one-up their conversation or their perspective or their story. I love that you pursue Jesus seriously, Sunday through Sunday. You're not a gamer, right? You're not just on Sunday, but, but that you're living your life on mission on purpose. And again, I love what I see there. I want this to continue, and I want this to flourish. We're not there yet on these things, but we're getting there. We're, we're moving. We have a very wonderful trajectory. I love that you are people who are self-aware and sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. I want to see this continue to progress forward to where we're more self-aware and we're more, uh, more following and sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I want the Axis Church moving forward to be a place where families are formed, where we take adoption seriously, and not just of young orphans, but also older widows. I want to see us take these things seriously. And by the way, um, if y'all could, uh, let's leave the front parking. This is just a commercial. Let's leave the front parking open for, uh, for families with young children. Okay? Try to be faithful with that. Um, let's see. 
I want us to be a place where friendships are made for life. Uh, I, want us to, I want us to be a place where you have a long, long time to work things out between you and Jesus and your past and your future and how you live within the church community. This week, as, as Jacob and I and some others got away for a leadership getaway and, and kind of went out into the wilderness for a while, it was great. Um, he said this, he says, whoa, guys, I'm reading this quote, whoa, guys, I just got a vision for music that's created within Axis that's going to change people and advance the kingdom. And I was just like, whoa, this is going to happen. And you, your talent and what you bring to the table is going to make this possible as you take your gifts and skills and obediently let those things be worked out, making much of Jesus and not yourself. And what's that look like as we play that out with counseling? And what does it look like when we play that out with design or teaching or journalism or playing basketball or seeing and understanding community development and renewal? What does it look like when we do these things knowing that it's shaping eternity? It's shaping the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. This is big deal stuff. This is what I want to see flourish. I want you to, to understand that access is a place where you can dream and create and fail. And, and pick up the lessons learned and dream again without condemnation and shame and be creative again and fail again. And then continue this until you find exactly what it is that God's called you to do and called you to be and, and, and how he's gifted you in your specific way. And then you're, you're experiencing the fulfillment of purpose like, man, this is how my gifts are to be played out. I want the Axis family to be that. I don't ever want to lose the fact that we make much of Jesus, ever. No matter what we do, no matter how many plants that we scatter, I want us to have a single focus of Jesus Christ. I never, ever, ever, never want us to move past Jesus and what he's done in him being the way, the truth, and the life, the way to the Father when there was no way to the Father, as he gave his life as a representative on our behalf and his life as a substitute in his death for us and, and, and beating death, our, our great enemy, and taking the punishment of our sin on himself and then ascending back to the Father where he's ruling and reigning right now. May we never move past that. May that never be step one and then we've got to graduate and kind of get smarter and more theological. May we realize that this is the good news that saves us, that changes us today, tomorrow, forever. It's Jesus and his work, his finished work of what he's done. So my prayer is that if you ever feel like we're getting off kilter and we're, we're making much of ourselves and not making much of Jesus and where you begin to hear these sermons that, that don't land on Jesus and all that Jesus has done and how that it all goes back to Jesus, man, you have to speak up and you have to say, whoa, this is not about Jesus. Please come to me and tell me that if you ever feel like something's not about Jesus. Even this... Even this address, the state of the church address, I want it to be about what Jesus Christ has done, about what he's doing, and what I see that he will do. Because it's not about a church's plans, it's about Jesus, okay? And so that's even the heart behind giving you this is, man, here's what Jesus, I feel like he wants to do with this young church. And this is good news. Basically, I want us to work very hard I want it to be tough to get to hell from the Nashville area. Amen. No matter what happens, I want us to make it as impossible as it can be.
for anyone to miss Jesus that spends time in Nashville. Pastor Scott was saying this this weekend. He said, you know, it's hard to go to Nashville without hearing music. May it be so. He was saying this in context of what I just said. May it be so that it's hard to come to Nashville and spend any amount of time here and end up going to hell because of the time you spent here. Because of what Jesus wants to do. And I'm crazy enough to think that he really wants to do that through us. I really do, man. What else are we going to live for? Well, I mean, seriously. There is nothing else. As we wrap up this time, I've asked David Deal to come up. If you'd come, brother. David's been with us since day one. He's going to do this, and we're, I'm going to lead us into communion. I've asked him, as a representative of the stewardship team here at the Axis, uh, to share some financial insight uh, regarding where we are and where we want to be, kind of give you some numbers and, and some ideas and, and perspective uh, as he and, and Ben Williams and Clay, raise your hand, brother, uh, have worked tirelessly to help us uh, get some things um, worked out. So, David, thank you for your love, your friendship, and your help, man. Yeah, man, you got it. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll just take a few minutes this morning. I know this is something that uh, uh, some of you may not like to talk about uh, too much, but I hope through this discussion over the next few minutes you'll be encouraged. Uh, I really do. Uh, there's been a lot of work that's gone into this. I want to thank Ben. I can barely see him in the back. I want to thank Clay. Uh, the three of us formed the, uh, the stewardship team uh, that began meeting in mid-December. We started meeting in mid-December because we felt like we were getting to a point uh, as the building got bigger, as the room expanded exponentially, uh, it was important as a church to begin to refine many of our policies and procedures and the way that we track information to be good stewards of resources uh, and time and energy uh, that every one of you are pouring into uh, this little building and this little congregation called the Axis Church. Still have a lot of work to do, but we made some great progress. So what is stewardship? Uh, stewardship, I wrote down a few words that I want to read. Leveraging the resources God has entrusted to us individually and collectively. So I want to talk about collectively first. And I'm not going to go back and rename all the names that Jeremy mentioned. Uh, there's danger in renaming names because I'll leave somebody out. Uh, I know Jeremy uh, thinks about that uh, all the time, but thank you for all the work that everybody's done. That is an example of corporate or collective stewardship. Yeah. I wrote down, what's my definition of collective stewardship? The orderly practice of mobilizing the total potential of the whole church for the glory of God. So it takes people uh, to pull everything together so that we can practice corporate stewardship and operate and function and serve at our total potential. Individually, uh, what does stewardship mean individually? Uh, time, uh, relationships, sphere of influence. There's a lot of words that you can put around that. Uh, obviously, the giving of our treasures and the giving of our resources. When our priorities are right, our servanthood is a joyful expression of faith mm. and not a burden. Um, there's a lot more that we could add around that, uh, but we give with a joyful heart. You're going to hear me use a few words around systematic giving, sacrificial giving, cheerful giving, joyful giving uh, over the next few minutes. Jeremy, you've done a wonderful job showing and telling the history uh, of the church. There's so many other stories uh, that you could just continue to point to uh, that shows God's grace on us. We are just a big family. Jeremy used those words. I wrote it down over there. We're a big family, uh, and a big family has needs. Uh, we're just a bigger family than my little family unit uh, with my wife and two kids. And therefore, there's a few more zeros that go behind what it takes to function uh, as a family. Uh, he has 
Uh, the Lord has put us in this place today uh, without incurring one cent of debt uh, mm, along the way. Amen. And that is something we should all rejoice. That's that awesome. probably does get an amen uh, for everybody. Awesome. It's just a wonderful gift. Has he, uh, has he given us wisdom in decision-making? You bet. Uh, there have been some decisions along the way. I can see some of them. I've been part of some of them, not all of them. But there has been wisdom that he has given us in decision-making. But what he's really given us is you. And what he's really given us are the resources that have filled every one of our needs. Uh, and it's just been incredible every step of the way. I can look throughout this room, and there's a lot of people that were with us early on in 2009 and 2010 that have moved away, that were those people and those resources and that mm. time and that talent that the Lord brought to us for that moment in time to fill our every need so we could be sitting uh, here today. So thank you uh, for those individuals that came and served and have left, and they're serving in other places, and thank you for you and your service and your time. Because while there's been some wisdom and some decision-making, that was only because of him, and it was only because of what you do uh, each and every day. So thank you for that. So I want to give you a couple of uh, details for 2012 and 2013. I'm not going to give you a lot of numbers. We want to just give you some high-level numbers, but we thought we were getting to a place in the church where there needed to be a little transparency around where's all this money go uh, and what are we doing? How much do we spend? So I want to share with you some numbers. Don't feel like you need to write these down. We've got some slides and in a smaller setting uh, outside of a Sunday morning. We'll be more than happy to walk through that entire uh, slide deck with you. Uh, to give you as much transparency as you want to see around where is it uh, that our resources go. So for 2012, uh, we spent uh, just over $265,000 uh, in 2012. When we closed the books and records for 2012, $265,000. About 60% of that money came from regular attendees, uh, people that are access ministry partners or people that are coming frequently uh, to our Sunday morning gatherings or through our comm groups that we could identify. So about 60% came from uh, regular attendees. 15% came from visitors and outside donors. Uh, how do you qualify to be a visitor and outside donor? You may be a family that's 500 miles away, that you have supported Jacob or you have supported Jeremy or you have just supported the Axis Church. The visitor and outside donor may also be the football player. Uh, that uh, Jacob talked about that came in one Sunday when he had no idea that there was a need. And uh, he, he pulled out his checkbook and he wrote a check. So that's about 15% of our giving. The other 25%, so 60% from us, 15%, that gets us to 75%. That remaining one quarter of the pie chart uh, are from outside church support. Uh, Emmanuel Church here in town is the, in Brentwood is the largest uh, single church, but there are a lot of other churches that have come alongside us uh, to surround us. We had 194 family units uh, that gave to the church uh, mm -hmm. in 2012. And if you gave $1 and we could verify it, meaning if you just put a dollar in the uh, offering plate and you didn't put your name on the dollar, it's hard to know who it came from. But if we could verify you, you're in that number. So 194 family units gave to the church. However, only 44 families gave more than five times. And only 24 families gave 10 times. So 24 people out of 52 weeks throughout the year, 12 months, we only had 24 units that gave 10 times. And it's just not consistent enough to meet the needs of family obligations where you have payroll that comes due, where you have building rent that comes due, when you have an electric bill that comes due, when you have benevolence needs 
that we try to support in this community. The consistent giving is not enough. Now, some of you may be in that bucket because, boy, David, I get paid that way or I get a big commission or royalty payment or something uh, and I write a check. Thank you for that. Uh, I fall into that a little bit myself. So a different cadence of giving is what we need from each and every one of us, including uh, myself. Uh, our budget for 2013, so we spent $265,000 in 2012. Started off the year a little bit lower than that, and it ramped up as the year went on as we moved into this space. But our budget for 2013 is $370,000 uh, from 2012 to 2013. The increase is uh, additional personnel, new building rental, gospel advancement, and a target that we have set internally to have one month of our expenses in the bank by the time we get to the end of 2013. Mm. So can we, we can reduce some of that anxiety around can we meet payroll, payroll is coming next week, do we have money in the bank account? We would love to be at a place where we had a few more resources in the bank to take some of that anxiety away uh, from our team. 60% of our spending is in personnel. It's pretty simple how we break this down. 60% in personnel, 15% is spent on building and supporting this building. Uh, the other 15% is for a gospel advancement. Uh, so we have a big chunk of that money, 15% of that $370,000 will be specifically allocated to the advancement of the gospel in the community, in the city, and the country outside of Nashville, uh, Tennessee. The cost will likely rise over time. This doesn't include uh, Scott Thomas. Uh, as Scott comes on board, we're going to be doing some independent fundraising for Scott. So these needs uh, will increase over time, but will have nothing to do with Scott's calling and his uh, accepting the calling to move to Nashville. We will keep those uh, separate uh, from these figures uh, here. Uh, so I do expect them to increase over time as we continue to grow and have more programs and more needs as a congregation. So how does this work? $370,000 sounds like a lot of money. You divide that across 52 weeks, it's about $7,000 every week that we, need to, uh, that we need to receive. About 25% of that, a quarter of it, will come from outside giving. We still have outside churches that will support us. We may need to continue to do more of that going forward. Uh, some churches that have supported us for three years are looking at maybe there's a different place for us to help and support a brand new church plant. So while we may lose some support from some churches, we're going to have to find support from other churches. So I fully expect that we'll continue to receive some support from outside churches. Uh, but the rest has to come from us. And it has to come from us on a consistent basis to support the ministry. Sounds like a lot. If we break this down into pieces, it's 110 units, 110 family units giving 300 bucks a month. That's how the math works. So some of you will be able to give more than that. Some will be able to give less than that. It's just an average, but 110 family units giving $300 per month. In addition, the church would love to help you uh, as you struggle and think through financial planning. Some of you may do a great job of that already, and you want to serve and say, I would love to help some families. There may be some of you in here that say, I could use some help. And between myself and Ben and Clay, if we can help you in any way, we're going to be uh, outside right after our service ends today. If we can help you in any way, uh, let us know. And if you don't want to use individuals here, we've made available resources through Crown Financial that we can bring some resources in from the outside if you could use uh, some help. I know I did that early on in my life, and it continues uh, to pay dividend. So what's the ask uh, here at the end? Here, here's the ask. We ask that by the end of May, each and every one of us will go to the city and make a pledge, make a monthly pledge, 
It may not mean that you give every month, but I will encourage you to get into that cadence of accountability of giving. Not just uh, when I had a little money left over in the bank account, uh, but each and every month. Build that into your discipline. So I ask that you go to the city. I ask you get involved. I ask you make a pledge. It'll help us as we plan for the future uh, as well. Um, in addition to your financial stewardship, um, I ask that you examine your hearts over what other areas in my stewardship journey uh, do I need to be involved in through calm group participation, uh, through prayer time, through quiet time, anything else uh, that, that you need to be uh, involved in. So Jeremy's laid out what all that Jesus is doing uh, in this little church. Uh, it has been fascinating, and he just gave us the Cliff Notes version. I think about that last chapter in the book of John where it says, I guess if we had written it down, there wouldn't be enough room in the world that could contain all the books that would be written. And that is the journey that we are on. We get to participate in many ways. This is our chance to participate. Uh, we have a wonderful opportunity, and I pray that you will consider what does this look like for me and my family? What does systematic, sacrificial, cheerful giving look like for my family? And do it with a sense of urgency. Hmm. Once you start, it's pretty easy. It's just hard to get started. So I want you to be encouraged. Just push a little bit to get started, and you'll be amazed at how God honors that discipline in that action. So in order to become a gracious, generous person as it relates to stewardship, don't sit down with your checkbook uh, and just stare at it and say, God, this is hard. There's not enough money at the end of the month. I spend on all these other things. Don't put your eyes down at a calculator. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, fix your eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. So I ask that you pick your eyes up. Don't look down at that calculator and try to figure out what can I do. Look at the cross. Look mm -hmm. at what's right behind me. And focus not on what can I give, but why am I holding on to what's not mine to begin with? Mm. So that's my ask of you. That's our ask of you. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for um, the consistent consistency of what you're doing. But just like the rest of us in the room, we can step it up to another level. That's what we're going to have to do. That's what we need to do. This is our chance to participate. God is good. Thank Amen. you, Jeremy. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. All right. That's awesome. So much work has gone to that. I really appreciate that. Thanks for your patience. As I know, today's gathering has been unique. Um, we're going to be moving now into communion, uh, where we're going to share uh, and remember uh, what Christ has done for us. This is a meal that's for Christians, for those who believe Jesus. Um, this is a meal that we take in community with each other. He, he met with his disciples um, the night he was arrested, and he said, um, as often as you gather together uh, and, and, and take this meal, do this in remembrance of me. This bread that we take represents the body of Christ that he gave for us, and, uh, and it's dipped in either juice or wine based upon your age or conscience, and that, that juice or wine represents the blood of Christ that was the payment for our sin, that covered our hearts and covered our sins and made us white as snow and sinless. And so uh, we're going to be doing this during this time. So we ask that you prepare your hearts and pray and, and really uh, consider what Christ has done. Do what he asks. He said, remember. Remember what he has done for you. And uh, we're going to have a station here on, on this side of the room as well as one in the middle. We normally have three. We're just going to do two. And here's what we're going to be doing over here. During, this, during communion, uh, perhaps after you've taken communion, those who have gone through um, our, our access ministry partnership process, uh, you're going to be coming over here 
uh, where Pastor Jacob and I will be, and you'll be signing uh, your covenant of membership with us. And we're, we do this every year. Um, and so you're going to be signing your covenant and then the, the group document. So you'll be signing twice. Um, so after you take communion, those who've gone through the process, the class, the interview, you're going to be going over there. And then we also have one other thing for those who haven't gone through the, the partnership process yet but would like more information on what that is and what that looks like. Um, there's a sign-up on a clipboard on the little narrow table um, right back there with where Mr. Stephen Hale is. Um, thanks, bro. Yeah. And so if y'all just give us your name, cell phone, and email, that will be helpful. Um, as we take this time of communion, those who do have children, go get them uh, and bring them in here, uh, except bed babies. I think it's just kindergarten and up. Uh, bring them back in here to take this communion with those who are Christians in your family. And then again, that's here. Over here is the covenant signing with the elders. And then back there is for more information on what it looks like to be an Access Ministry partner. I hope I'm clear. I know this is a, a really different, really unique Sunday. Um, but let's celebrate Jesus. Let's remember what he's done for us. And let's celebrate the fact that he's joining us together as a ministry partnership family, as a family of missionaries and the children of God together on mission uh, as we sign this covenant together. Such an answer to prayer. Let me pray for our time together in communion and signing of the covenant, and then we'll continue with our worship service. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your goodness, and for your own generosity. Lord, thank you for doing what was necessary to change us. Lord, thank you for, for doing what was necessary to save us, to grant us hope, and help us help, you've helped us in redefining what love and what sacrifice and what generosity looks like. So we come to this table today and take in this communion, remembering what you have done for us. Lord, we come rejoicing and making much that you made a way. But Lord, we also come mourning and, and Lord... We're, we're grieved because of the suffering that you had to go through physically to endure this for us. We don't take that flippantly. We feel that, Lord. We, we, we mourn understanding to the extent of that you had to, which you had to go to make a way for us. So, Lord, wherever we are in this remembering of what you've done from celebrating to mourning, Lord, we feel what you've done and we, we do what you've asked. We remember Lord, what you've done. Lord, I thank you. I ask you to be with us as we continue in this. In Christ's name, amen.